What's going on? What's going on? Jay Sutton, I'm back with another episode of the Destroying Doubt Podcast, where we provide information and inspiration to new and aspiring entrepreneurs to help them start that new business or to take their existing business to new levels. And look, I'm excited today, very excited. Have another very special guest on the show this week. Her name is Loida Velasquez. And hopefully I didn't mess that up. My Espanol isn't that clear. It isn't that crisp. It isn't that, isn't that precise. So don't hold that against me. <laughs> but nonetheless, it was an amazing show. She was an amazing guest. She's a real estate agent out in LA. And she's killing the real estate game out there. And not only is she killing the real estate game, she's killing the YouTube game with over 20,000 YouTube subscribers, like in a short time. Like she's really, really putting in the work and really killing the game. And she came on the show and she not only did she provide us with information about real estate and YouTube and how to grow your audience and, you know, how to excel in the real estate realm, but she also gave us her story, you know, and what led her into pursuing real estate and the trials and tribulations that came along with it. And, you know, she provides some inspiration for those seeking to get their feet wet in whatever new endeavor it may be. I'm pretty sure that you can take some jewels, some gems, and some principles away from this conversation to apply to your life and to enhance your situation, whatever it may be. So here it is, my interview with Loida Velasquez. Check it out. Loida, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Jay? I am doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Um, I want to get right into it. Um, something that really bothers me uh, that I'm pretty sure a lot of my listeners are going to be jealous right now. I'm jealous myself. Um, I'm down in Florida. I didn't know if you knew that or not. Um, and it's been a little cool here, you know, uh, 50s, 60s. <laughs> And every, okay, yeah, yeah. Every guest I get on the show, I start, you know, complaining or whatever and crying like a little baby because I didn't sign up for this. And all I ever hear is that in LA or Cali, well, not the whole state of Cali, but mainly LA, it's like 70 all year. Is that true? How's yeah. the weather there? Well, right now it's around 80, and it's been like that pretty much all week. All of December, it only rained once. So for the most part, it's between like 75 and 85, and occasionally I'll go up to 90. That's what we're looking at right now. <laughs> That's messed up. That is really messed. Like as like a kid, as a kid, my dream was to live in Florida. Like I love, I still love Florida. I'm just hating right now. I'm a little mad. I'm a little salty. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah. Um, but. Golly, LA has been piquing my interest lately, like 75, 80, like year round, like. Pretty much. It never really gets cold. The The coolest it goes down to, it's like maybe 65. And that's when everyone decides to bring down their jackets. But aside from that, it never really gets cold. Wow. Wow. I guess we're just all going to be in envy for the rest of the show. Um, <laughs> but, um. Uh, you know, as I said in the intro, you know, you're a real estate agent out in L.A. It is L.A. Oh, is it San Diego or L.A.? L.A. L.A.? Okay, so what do you do out there yeah. when you're not selling houses? What, what do you do out there for fun? Well, I invest a lot of time in my business, and when I'm not selling homes, 
I'm usually networking with other people that are around my age that are entrepreneurs or just talking business ideas uh, to see what we can come up with because nowadays you pretty much have to make your own opportunities and make your own businesses and that's pretty much how you can succeed. Um, but aside from that, I love to go to the gym and work out, go to concerts, sporting events, things like that. Just anything that's outdoor and requires me to be like active and talk to people and things like that. Okay, that's cool. Um, that, that's really cool. You, you mentioned sporting events. Um, are you a Lakers fan? I am. Hey! <laughs> that's what's up. That's what's up. I'm a long-time Lakers fan. I'm from North Carolina, actually, but uh, Kobe Bryant is, like, my favorite player ever, so Laker Nation all day over here. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I used to live, like, 10 from downtown L.A., and I was very close to Staples Center, so I was always at the basketball games there. Oh, wow. I'm even more jealous. <laughs> even more jealous. <laughs> hey, wh one more quick question before I start asking you the, the juicy stuff. Um... Is the, is the traffic in L.A. really that bad? Yes. On weekends, in the morning, in the evenings, it really depends. If you're going towards L.A., like right now, it's 8 o'clock in the evening, and there's traffic maybe going 30, 40 miles per hour. Um, you just can never avoid it unless you're driving a L.A. towards, like, going north or south, then you'll probably catch less traffic. But aside from that, especially in downtown, there's always traffic. Wow, so if you don't have the the um the helicopter like Kobe, you're you're screwed, huh? Yeah, yeah. When I used to live very close to downtown LA, I used to work there as well, and it was maybe four miles from my house. And one time, it took me almost two hours to get home on the street. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah, I might have to live on the outskirts of LA if I make that move. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, like on this show, we like to like dip into the story because I believe that people's stories contain a lot of information and a lot of inspiration in them. And, you know, you're a real estate agent out in LA, but what, tell us what you did before you got into real estate. Like what, what's some of your background? Okay. So before I got into real estate for about eight or nine years, I worked in marketing and advertising. My First job was we promote for a well-known soft drink, and I was pretty much going to college events and giving out free drinks, talking to people about the product that I had. Um, after that, I pretty much started networking and met other companies, and it got to the point that I was now kind of like a product specialist, brand ambassador, just working events. And I really enjoyed that because I would get to talk to people and inform them about the product that I had. And the three years before I got into real estate, I was working with one specific company that did automotive marketing. And I was traveling 100% of the time, living out of a suitcase from hotel to hotel. And back then I was in my early 20s and I loved it because I was getting to travel and somebody else was paying for it. But it got to the point that I was never home. I could never attend any of my friends' birthdays or plan anything at all just because I would always be on the road. And that's when I decided, you know what, I want that stable office job. So I started applying to jobs. I got a corporate job. I was there for a project that was about three or four months. I saw how much I hated working in a cubicle. 
So after that, I decided to apply to another advertising agency that worked a lot with one of the brands that I was traveling with. And again, I didn't like the environment that I was in. My bosses and my coworkers were always negative. And I just didn't like being there. So once that was over, that project, which was another three months, that's when I decided, you know what, I am going to try something completely different. And that's when I decided to get into real estate. And this was in the end of December of 2014. 2014. Okay. Um, so why exactly real estate? Like, I'm pretty sure you could have chosen a lot of different things. Like, why did you decide to keen in on mm -hmm. real estate? Yeah. Well, I had a friend that I had known him for a very long time and I had known him even before he got into real estate. So as I was working and traveling, that's when he decided to get into real estate. We have very similar mindsets and we're very driven. And I saw the success that he was having. And I thought to myself, you know, he is doing very well in real estate. We're very similar. And I know that he's pretty much his own boss and there's no cap for the amount of money that you can make. And at the end of the day, you get paid for how much work you put in. So I started talking to him, getting more information about what it would take to get into real estate and what I had to do. Because at that point I was already tired of all of the jobs that I had. And a uh, funny story is that I had actually even gone back to school to get my MBA because I figured, oh, you know, getting a master's, I would be able to get a executive level position and be happy. But that completely changed because I decided to go into real estate and at that, in this career, you don't need an MBA or any type of degree. So yeah, when I saw the success that he was having, that's when I decided, you know, I'm gonna try real estate, give it a shot, I'm gonna go full force and I'm gonna make it and here I am. Hey, here you are. Here you are. So, so you had the entrepreneurial mindset um, going into it, like, cause like I told you before, I didn't really know I, when I think of real estate. Well, when I thought of real estate, I didn't think of entrepreneurship. Um, so I, you know, I just thought it was like you were an agent, you work for somebody else or whatever. But I've come to realize that you know you are your own boss, and it's like it's your baby that you're building. Um, so you had that, out, yeah. you had that mindset from the beginning. Yeah. Pretty much I knew that it was all up to me how much work I would put in. And at the end of the day, I could either do four sales, which is what the average agent does in a year. Or if I took it seriously and did this full time, I could do three or four times as that, maybe do 20, 30 sales a year. And that's really when you have so much income coming in that if I did have an executive level position job with my master's, it wouldn't even come close to the income I could potentially make being in real estate. And that's what made the, the click for me that I wanted to go into real estate. What, what was that number again uh, for the average agent that you said? The, the average agent sells around four homes a year. Four homes a year? Yeah. Oh, wow. Is that like, uh, countrywide or is that just like Cali California or I think uh, I believe it's a statistic just nationwide that's like the average that the agent uh, a regular average agent does between four or five because the way that you can see it so it can make sense is that let's say an average commission I don't know where 
everyone listening in is, but out here, the average commission is maybe $10,000, $15,000. So if you sell four homes, you have 40,000 or more dollars that you've made. And a lot of people are happy with that type of income. So if they make that, they're like, okay, well, I'm done for the year. I don't need to really put in any more work. And that's why the average person only decides to do that, that amount. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so I've, I've also heard that it can be like, it can be rocky when you first start, when you, when you first jump out there in real estate, that it could take a while before you get that, that first sale, um, or before you start seeing money. So tell us about that, like your, your journey, like, was it rough starting off? How long did it take for you to get a first sale and were you ready to quit? Yeah, it definitely takes a while when you are new because you don't know what to say, how to say it, and you have no idea how people are going to respond to you. So for me specifically, it took about six months from the time that I got my license to finally get my first sale. Now, the, from that time that I got my license, all you have to do, especially if you're new, is learning your scripts, figuring out how to respond to people, how to grow and be pretty much confident and have thick skin because there will be those people that will tell you, why are you calling me? You're annoying. I don't want to talk to you. And they'll just cuss you off and tell you they don't want to do anything with you. And that's what makes a lot of people quit in the beginning because they just can't handle that on top of not making any money. So yeah, in the beginning, it is tough. You have to have a very strong mindset to be able to know that, you know, if you're putting in the work and doing what it takes to succeed, eventually you will see the results, but it's not going to happen overnight. It takes time. Oh, okay. And I mean, you know, it, I, I, I can imagine that it's a hard thing to deal with, um, you know, having to go a long stint of time without making money. You're trying to learn everything. And you also have uh, clients that are <laughs> that are coming at you sideways. So what like what's the most disrespectful thing of a client or a, a customer has said to you? The most disrespectful. I mean, I've heard it all. I've heard that they cuss at me for no reason and tell me to go hide under a rock and I'm a cockroach and why are you bothering me there's like so many things that you would think people would actually have manners and I'm like you're not human why are you saying all these things but I don't take it personal I know that they're just probably annoyed and they've gotten calls from other agents but yeah you think that people have manners but you get to see everything being in this business especially cold calling and door knocking wow cockroach I don't know if I would have yeah. been able to handle that. I might would have. Yo, oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's some times that I've been talking to people on the phone, and some of the things that they say make me want to just, you know, punch something. Or the way that I take it, I just, I just laugh it off because I just can't believe it when, when I'm listening. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I got this super rude person. So probably the next one is going to be a very nice person that's going to either want to sell. So I'm just going to focus on those people that actually want my help and not let these negative people affect me and stop me from continuing doing my work. Well, I think that's key. I think that's a major part of the entrepreneurial mindset. Like you have to be able to roll with those mm -hmm. nose. You got to be able to roll with those punches and, and keep it moving like it hasn't happened. And you also have to roll with those wins. You can't get too high on your on your wins either because you got to keep it going. You got to stay consistent. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's what happens to a lot of people as well. Once they start seeing that they're making money and they have these transactions coming in, they perhaps haven't gotten paid so much money in the past. So they just start blowing the money. Next thing you know, they're back to being quote unquote broke and struggling to make that next sale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I got a question for you. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about LA, we're talking about California and I'm from the South, like I said before. So, and I've never even been to California, but one thing that I've always heard is that the cost of living is like through the roof. So I asked you about the traffic, if it was that bad, is the cost of living in LA really that expensive? Yeah, it is. Right now in LA for like a two bed, one bath, maybe like seven or 800 square feet, it's going to at least cost you about 500 or 600,000. Hold for up. A little hold, house. hold up. Stop the press. 800 square feet? Yeah. Yep. Wow. I'm not even kidding. Wow. And in certain areas, depending where you're looking, uh, like right now I'm working with a buyer. She's qualified for 800,000. Everything that's in her price range is a condo that's minimum like two, or if she's lucky, it's a three bedroom, but that's what it is. Two or a three bedroom, maybe 1100 square foot condo Wow. for 800,000. <laughs> that is crazy. That is crazy. And so the reason why I asked that, and I was going to tie it back into real estate, I was going to ask, I guess, what's the most expensive home that you've gotten a client into? Or if it wasn't one that you did uh, individually, like what's the highest ho home that you've seen go for sale? Well, in my first year, actually, one of the first people that I cold called, which ended up turning into trans a transaction, was a gentleman. He was originally for sale. He came off the market unsold after over a year. We relisted his home and his, his home was worth a million dollars. And we ended up representing him as a seller and also the buyer. That was the first big sale that I got. Um, aside from that, right now I am working with a cash buyer for $4 million. We're trying to find him a home. He's very particular into what he's looking for. Uh, so that's one that I have. And the most expensive home that I have seen, it's uh, 35 million. It's currently right now for sale. 35 million. Yeah. That's Drake's house, ain't it? That, that, that gotta be Drake's house. <laughs> <laughs> it's like right next to the beach. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, have you dealt with any celebrities out there or any of your uh, coworkers or other real estate agents that you know of dealt with any celebrities? Particularly Drake, because that's my guy. I just want to know about Drake. I, I talk about him every episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't dealt with Drake. Not yet. Golly. But uh, my partner, my, um, my partner, who's my boyfriend that works with me, he is doing a lot of stuff now with the guys from the show Million Dollar Listing. So we're slowly starting to make ourselves known in the real estate space, especially through social media and YouTube. Mm. And eventually, yeah, hopefully we do start getting those celebrity clients. Yeah, I, I bet that would be nice. <laughs> I bet that would be very nice. <laughs> yeah, so like when me and my wife, when we purchased our first home um, here not too long ago, like it's been within a year. Um, actually, yeah, it'll be a year in June. We were very, very picky 
on on a fixed budget. <laughs> it's like it, like yeah, like we have this certain amount of money to spend, but we want like way above that. Um, do you deal with that a lot? And how do you, I guess, like not want to bite people head? Because we were extremely picky, but you have to understand it may not be a million dollars, but it's still a lot of money to that to that family. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so you want what you want. So yeah. um, how do you navigate through that? Yeah, I know. It's sweet for first-time buyers. It's a very big decision, and they're making a huge investment in their first home. So many times, maybe they qualify for, for example, 400000 and they want all of the finishes and all the bells and whistles. And the way that I talk to them is pretty much, I break it down to them. And many times, we will find a home that is not completely remodeled, but it fits their budget, and I let them know all of the possibilities available to them to make it to their taste. And if they still tell me, you know what, no, like I really want hardwood floors and grounding countertops and all this and that, then either we have to start looking uh, at other cities where the homes meet exactly what they're looking for, or worst case, I tell them based on your criteria, your expectations, right now, what you want is not available. So it's probably better perhaps that you either wait and maybe in a year or two or whenever it is, if you qualify for more and you have much bigger purchasing power, you can get what you want or we can get what you qualify for now. You become a homeowner, build some equity, sell it in a few years, make money off of that and then upgrade to whatever it is that you ideally would want. So once I break it down like that, then they see, okay, you know, this is my first home. Maybe I should... Uh, get something that I could work on myself or that I could paint or whatever it is. And then later on move to the, the higher end or whatever it is that I want. But, but you, you do seem to, and I guess I, it will be hard for you to speak for most real estate agents, but you seem like you generally care about the people that you're trying to get into a home. Uh, you want to fit them with, you know, what they want. Um, do, do you see that in most real estate agents? And the reason why I ask is because, like, I really, I really hate car dealerships, right? Like, it's like the worst place. I hate purchasing a yeah. vehicle. Um, are there any similarity? Like, are, are they completely different on two ends of the spectrum? Like, when you deal with a car dealer and a real estate agent, should people have that same fear? Or is it, like, totally different? Well, it depends. Because, to be honest with you, there are a lot of sleazy real estate agents that all they care about is that sale and they'll jackhammer you and tell you you have to buy now or you have to sell. And it's a very small percentage of us that are actually genuine in, in trying to help our clients. And that's really what separates myself from the average agent. You know, I tell my clients if they're thinking about selling, you know, if you want, let's say a million dollars, but your home is really worth 700, I'm going to tell you, you know what, I can't help you because expectations of what you have and what the reality is, they're not aligned right now. And I would be doing a disservice to you if I would put your home on the market. And that's something that a lot of agents won't do. They'll take the business just to put their sign on the yard and get the calls and maybe get a few other people that might be interested in, in buying or selling real estate. But at the end of the day, they're doing a disservice to their client. So yeah, we see it a lot here. The sleazy real estate agents that they live paycheck to paycheck and they need to make that sell in order to pay their mortgage or whatever it is. Yeah, but they can't like they can't manipulate the actual price of the home, right? Because like a, a 
a car dealer can manipulate the the price of the car so he can get his fee whatever uh his fee or whatever but uh, mm -hmm. uh, a real estate agent can't do that right the price of the home if it's overpriced the home's not going to sell usually at the end of the day there are those that are called discount brokers and they will reduce their commission to tell the, the potential seller oh you know i'm gonna make i'm gonna sell your home for less but at the end of the day the home doesn't end up selling and woody is happy and that's usually what we see not really so much compared to the, the car salesman that that gets their commission by selling the home for more mm -hmm. i mean the car but yeah that's kind of how you can relate it okay okay cool that, that's good that's good um what are some common misconceptions about real estate or real estate agents or both <laughs> <laughs> well about real estate agents uh let's see if i could think of any a lot of people think that all we care about and this brings me back to what we were just talking about there are those you can't put us all together in the same boat i guess if you can see a lot of people think every single real estate agent is the same and is going to deliver the same results but at the end of the day it's kind of like every mcdonald's and the franchises everyone is completely different you're going to get a different service wherever it is that you go so it's very important that any potential buyer or seller maybe talk to one or two agents and compare apples to apples to see who's going to deliver the best service since at the end of the day, this is one of their biggest assets that they probably own if they're going to buy or sell and they want to make sure that they're very well covered and taken care of. So that's probably one of the biggest things that people think that we're all the same and we're really not. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's good to know um, for someone out there that may be looking to, you know, purchase a home to know that you know, it, it isn't a one-size-fits-all type thing that you, you can get somebody that is personable, somebody that does care about um, you and your family, what you have going on. And just because there's two sleazy real estate agents in your area doesn't mean that everybody's like that. So that's a good thing to know. Yeah, especially when it comes to selling. A lot of people, especially now with the Internet, they think that all you have to do is put a sign in the yard and put it, put it on the multiple listing services, and that's all it takes to sell the home. But in reality, it's not just that. Uh, the average agent will do that and then just kind of sit back and wait for the calls to come in. But then there are those of us that are very aggressive and we still cold call and door knock around our client's home to see if we can find more buyers interested in purchasing the home. Because if at the end of the day, we can get multiple offers and bid the price of the home up, then our client ends up with more money in their pocket and the best terms if they're selling their home, which is exactly what they would want, not the other way around where they maybe only get one offer and it's below the asking price and they're asking for repairs and things like that. And we always want to give the leverage to our seller as opposed to the buyer, especially when it comes to the home. That's good. That, that's, that's great to know. Um, quick, quick sidebar. Um, it, for my listeners out there, you might want to take a coffee break or something because this is a, a, a selfish question question by myself. <laughs> this may not benefit. Well, you know, it probably okay. will. Yeah, yeah, it may benefit y'all. Um, but this is something that I just would like to know personally. Um, when we bought our home, since we bought it, the, the value, the property value has went up like 
maybe like 20 grand already within a year, something like that. And I yeah. know that in each state, you know, it has different laws and different fees and all that kind of stuff. But if we were looking to sell and with the, with the pro with the property value going up that much, would we be coming out of pocket still? Cause I, w I heard it's like very expensive to sell. No, the commission of hiring an agent is negotiable at the end of the day. Uh, but if you have only made, the values have gone up since two years and we've seen it continue going up. Uh, if anything, what we take a look at is how much you owe and it might be that you break even or that you make a little bit, but whether or not everyone has to see the sale of a home as an investment rather than a cost, because just like what I mentioned a few minutes ago, and I'm gonna give you an example here. I recently sold a home for one of my clients. He bought his home two years ago and he is now relocating to Indiana and he needs to be out by the end of this month. Uh, he originally went for sale by owner because he thought, oh, you know, I want to save the commission and I need to walk away with the most because I'm moving, right? And he's only been there two years. So we listed the property. I, I gave him a call. I shared with him exactly how I could help him take care of uh of pretty much the whole transaction so that he didn't have to worry about it, which nowadays... Uh, there's a lot of things involved in a real estate transaction, not just putting the sign on the art or putting it online. You have to know how to negotiate the terms and the price and things like that. Long story short, we listed the home. It sold for $15,000 above asking price. He ended up walking away with $20,000 more in his pocket than if he would have done it himself. And he got the professional taking care of the whole thing. So he did end up making more money in his pocket even though he had a professional just because we sold the home above asking price as is and he didn't have to do any repairs and things like that so basically what you're trying to tell people is don't be cheap and try to skip out and get an agent when you sell your home just go ahead and do it and it might it may turn out better for you yes exactly because at the end of the day let's say if somebody did try to sell it themselves um the i think there's a statistic out there that if somebody goes for sale by owner, usually it's between eight to 10% less than if they would be going to an agent, just because they don't know how to negotiate. I know exactly how to negotiate the best price for the seller. So even though they think that they're, that they're gonna pay us and they're not gonna make any money at the end of the day, they do just because we know everything involved in a transaction that the average person, unless they're a real estate agent and have gone through the whole process of learning everything, they don't know what they're doing. Mm. It's kind of like, let's say you had to go to court, uh, you hire a lawyer to represent you and win you the case, you're not gonna go there and represent yourself and hope to win. I mean, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, I did that one time. Uh... <laughs> 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 oh my God, I gotta speak like right on this little highway that I live on, I left one day to go to work and I make that left to get on the highway and I get like a half a mile down the road and the police car is coming by me. Like I didn't even have time to, you know, get up to full speed. And he pulled me over and he said that um, I was doing 70 and 55. I was like, dude, whatever, just give me the ticket. I I'll fight this or whatever. Like, cause I know <laughs> I wasn't going to 70. He said the helicopter they, they had the uh, the plane, the airplane or helicopter in the sky or whatever, and it clocked me going 7 to 55. I was like, whatever. I know I wasn't speeding, which I, I really wasn't. Um, so I went to court, yeah. and they had all of their stuff together. They had the, the pilot. <laughs> he was in court. 
They had all the wow. documents. They had pictures. They had everything. And I was just sitting there like, uh, I, but I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't do it. So I, yeah. I would have definitely loved to have had some uh, representation at that moment because I had to pay that $300 ticket. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that didn't turn out too good. Um, I, I would like to know, so, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you, what do you love about it? But I want to start, like, what is probably the hardest part you would say about what you do? The hardest part would probably be the prospecting, trying to get clients, because until you actually have a sale, all you are spending your time mostly doing is calling or door knocking, just cold calling people to see who wants to either buy or sell. And it can get boring and tedious because you're not seeing any results. And like I mentioned, for me, it took me six months. So imagine if every single day for four or five hours, you're just on the phone talking to people and here and there, you got the rude people that, that tell you to stop calling them and things like that. Calling your That's road. really the hardest part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because once you do get that person that wants to work with you, then it's a smooth transaction. And then that's it. There's the transaction coordinators that handle all the paperwork and you move on to the next one. But it's actually getting that sale and setting the appointment and getting the, the potential seller to sign the contract or you getting your buyer's offer accepted. Until that happens, we just have to grind until it, it does happen. Yeah, I can, man, I can imagine that being, that being rough. Um, what about also when, when you get someone, um, you know, you're doing your calling, you're going door to door and you get someone or you get a family or whatever. And they say, okay, we want to start looking at homes. And now you're spending your days going out and showing these families, uh, or these people, these different homes. And they're like, they're not really feeling them. Like, does that get frustrating at, at also? Like you have to yeah. keep showing them how home at the home at yeah. the home. Yeah, it does. It's very time consuming. And that's why I personally focus on listings. Uh, just because I don't like to deal with, with having to spend half of my day or my whole day, let's say on a Saturday, just home, showing homes and not getting any return on my investment until months later, if it happens. So I do work with a lot of buyers, but usually for the most part, the buyers that I do work are usually my sellers that have to buy and are very motivated to make a decision very quickly once they find what they're looking for. And if they're not motivated and they take months, then I'll just pass them on to one of my team members that I know has the time to go out there and continue looking at properties for them. Because like I said, if we're not prospecting, we're not making any money. If I'm spending most of my time just showing property, I'm not really getting paid for that. Yeah, you have to, like, this may be a dumb, I, I hope somebody's listening. Jay, that's a dumb question. But anyway, do you have to, uh, <laughs> like, use your own gas? Like, nobody's paying you for for the gas either, huh? No. Oh, no, wow. you, you yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I bet that can be very frustrating, yeah. Yeah. That's why listings is the name of the game, because... The way that you got to see it is that the listing agent, it's kind of like the employer and the listings, uh, the buyer's agents are the employees because without listings, the buyer's agents have to continue going around and going around and showing homes. And as a listing agent, we just kind of sit back and get the offers, negotiate them. We don't have to be driving around. If anything, we just have to go to our client's home once or twice throughout the transaction for anything that might need signatures or things like that. Wow. 
Huh. So like with the with the listings, is that something that I don't know that you have to work up to to get, or is it just something that you I guess have to invest in? Like you pay money to get those listings, or how does that work? Or is that uh, asking too much? <laughs> No, the way that listings work, you have to prospect and call people. You can call random neighborhoods and just see if anyone is looking to either buy or sell. And here and there, you will come across those people that tell you, oh, yeah, I do want to sell. Aside from that, there are those people that are for sale by owners that you can also go after and show your value as an agent so that they can see, you know, working with an agent give them a better results than doing it themselves there are also those properties that have come off the market uh, and didn't sell those are called the expireds so for one reason or another they were listed with another agent it didn't sell now they came off the market and many times those homeowners are still very motivated and need to sell however they're very frustrated as well and those are a big part of my business. So I cold call a lot of for sale buyers, and the expireds are the ones that are usually rude, but they're motivated. And when I speak to them and let them know how I can help them, they are more than likely to schedule a time to meet with me. And then we can put their home back on a market with a different approach that can actually get their home sold. So those are the top three avenues that you can pretty much go after to get listings. Wow. Okay. So like, like you, like you said, you have to, I guess, deal with the rudeness, but it's worth it because those are the, the more motivated individuals. Yeah. Usually if they're rude, but they continue talking to you is because they're motivated and they still want to sell. Got to take the good with the bad. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, uh, thank you so much for that information. Um, I want to take a, a slight turn, a um, little shift, and I want to talk about YouTube because, let me guess, you want to start a podcast, but you don't know where to begin. You don't know about mics and mixers or web hosting, or SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. All that stuff is like speaking in a foreign language to you. I know. I understand. It was like that to me when I first started. But I've been doing this for over a year now, and podcasting has opened up many, many doors for me, and I know it can do the same for you. But you just need to start, and that's why I'm here to help you. So if you want to get started and you need help on your podcasting adventure and getting it off the ground, just email me at destroyingdoubt@gmail.com, at gmail.com, and I'll hook you up with everything you need to know to get your podcast up and on its way so that you can reap all the benefits of podcasting as well. Again, email me at destroyingdoubt.com at gmail.com and we'll get you a consultation so you can start your very own podcast today that's right today now back to the show that's where i first saw you and i and you know i commend you on your hard work on youtube i don't think people know um I, i've been on youtube for probably about five or six months now maybe or maybe longer I don't know. Anyway, it's a lot of hard freaking work. <laughs> and I, I don't think people realize that and to yeah. consistently put out content. And, you know, um, I don't know if your fortune was as bad as mine, but, it, you know, you can consistently put out content and it takes a while before people to actually catch on. Um, it, it, you know, it could take a while sometimes. And I saw that you recently celebrated having yeah. 20,000 uh, subscribers. That's a, that's a huge accomplishment. Um, congratulations on that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. 
what were your I guess what were your goals when you started vlogging and when you started getting on YouTube? Like what was the end goal that you had in mind? Well, when I started my YouTube channel, the reason that I started it was because at the, I remember being a brand new agent going on YouTube looking up videos and it was always older men or just men in general talking about real estate. There wasn't really a woman talking about real estate or their journey or a young woman. So I figured, okay, you know what? I want to start my channel kind of just to put my journey out there. So people, especially if they're brand new, they can see what it takes to maybe get to the point where you're a successful agent. So that's what I started doing. I started putting out videos I remember it was once a week. That's what I had committed to, where I would just talk about what I was learning or how things were going. And eventually I started getting people watching me and subscribing to me and relating to everything that I was talking about. And when I saw, you know, I have a lot of people here that I know I can impact if I deliver quality content that is very good and educational. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I continue doing that every single week for ever since I can't remember. And it was slow in the beginning. I think my first year was when I think it took me like six or seven months by the time that I got like a thousand subscribers. But even then I was just shocked that I was getting so many people interested in the content that I was putting out because real estate is a very specific type of content and, and niche that people, not just anyone would be going to. But um, yeah, after that, I figured, you know, I really like the impact that I'm having with uh, the people that I'm reaching. And I just continued putting that out and it started growing to like 100 subscribers a week. And now it's got, gotten to the point that I'm reaching almost like 2,000 subscribers a month. And there are so many opportunities that are now coming up because I am putting out videos and uh, I'm also a very well-known and educated in the industry about what I'm talking about. So, and all that comes because I decided to put myself out there and share my journey with all of the people on YouTube that might be interested in getting into real estate or were brand new agents or even veteran agents. I have a lot of those. Uh, that reach out to me because they've never done anything of the things that I say that I do, like cold calling and door knocking. Those are old school approaches that a lot of people tell you now, like, don't do it. It doesn't work. But that's how I built my business. So it works. And I, yeah, I was going to ask you that, like, um, with YouTube, does it, has it helped you, um, as we like to say, get the bag? <laughs> has it helped uh, your, your real estate business at all? Like, has it actually landed you like clients? Yeah, it has. I have gotten people and agents. Most of my audience are agents, but here or there I do get uh, potential buyers that come across one of my videos about buying. And I've gotten referrals. I've gotten clients that reach out to me and send me an email that they're thinking about buying and they would want me to help them. Sometimes they are out of my area, but I connect them with a very good agent wherever it is that they're at. But yeah, there's a lot of opportunities that have come through because of YouTube and not just YouTube, there's also been Instagram and even Snapchat where I get just random messages from people that, that watch me and like what I do and they see that I'm knowledgeable in negotiating and working with buyers and sellers and they tell me, hey, you know what, my, my dad's thinking about selling, can you help him, here's his information. And that's exactly what 
I want to do and how I want to come across that I'm that agent that you can reach out to at any time and I'll take care of you. And if I can't, or if it doesn't make sense for you to do something, I'll tell you because I treat any of my clients like they were my family member and I would want them to be treated well and just be treated with honesty, not be lied to and, and no shady stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, that's amazing that you uh, decided to, you know, step out there and, you know, put yourself out there as far as, far as real estate goes and making YouTube videos and it has helped your, your business. That, that's amazing. Um, and, and the reason why I say that, you know, this show is all about destroying doubt. And for me, before I started this show, like I'm the biggest, I still am to this day. Like I'm an introvert. Like, believe it or not, when I tell people that they like, they don't believe it because I do public speaking and I do this podcast, yeah. people don't believe that I'm a, I'm an introvert and I never wanted to be in front of the camera. But my my passions mm-hmm. and my goals and my drive to see people succeed and to see people like overcome doubt, self doubt to to walk in their purpose, like that's bigger than yeah. my little than my little insecurities and my uh my introvertness, if that's a word or whatever. So like for you, before you started YouTube yeah. and before you started doing real estate, because real estate you have to have a lot of communication with people. Um, were you an introvert as well? Did you like yeah. doing a lot of talking? Like explain that to us. No, I. Based on what you're saying of how you were, that's exactly how I was. Like growing up, I was super shy, introvert. I would hate raising my hand. I would never want to be called on. I was, back then in high school, you probably think what I'm doing now, you would have never guessed I'd be doing this. I hated public speaking. I was scared and terrified. And it wasn't until I started working my marketing job and promotions where I had to actually talk to people and tell them about the drink that we were passing out or wherever it was, that I saw that people, if once I explained them to, once I explained to them what I had, they became so excited and more likely to go to the store and purchase a product. And I told myself, if I can have that type of influence and power just for this drink, like what more can I do if it's something educational and that's going to empower people? And that's really when I started to get out of my little comfort zone, my shell. And I knew that starting YouTube, I had to come out of my shell and film and put myself out there. And now I get so many messages from people, both men and women, that tell me because of my videos, they have gained more confidence and they're now like cold calling and door knocking because, you know, if Lloyd can do it, then I can do it too. And that's all it takes because uh, if you have certain goals that you want to reach, but your fear is stopping you of public speaking, then you're never going to achieve what you want. And if it's that lifestyle for you to live a better life, to provide for your family, you, you're going to have to do what it takes. And that may be you coming out of your shell and, and just being out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, I think I found myself, I had to, to convince myself. And I think a lot of people need to tell themselves this is the fact that you become selfish when you hold back your talents and your gifts and your story. I think that you, you're being selfish yeah. because for me, for me starting this podcast and me doing public speaking and me doing all the different things that I do, it was because of other people I saw do it. Like not saying that I'm trying to follow a trend, but I mean that people that went yeah. through rough situations or went through similar situations that came out of them and that weren't scared to share their story and put it on YouTube and weren't scared to look stupid. 
that helped me and they provided constant content for me like uh i don't know if you're familiar with eric thomas uh or do you know him the motivational speaker yeah yeah, yeah. i would he he yes. did uh thank god it's monday and sunday night early monday morning like i'm up waiting for that content because i needed it and it was that content that helped me get to the position mm-hmm. i am today and in turn i'm like i would be stupid and i would be selfish not to provide that for someone else like my story isn't eric thomas's but there are people that my story will resonate with just like you in real estate yeah. in real estate and you know you're sharing your journey the highs the lows everything that you're going through man it's it's impactful and and you're going to touch a lot of people with that and i commend you for that yeah thank you and a big thing also is that a lot of real estate agents they won't share this type of information that i put on my videos just because they have that mindset of like scarcity where they think, oh, if I tell the other agent in my office what it takes to succeed, then they're going to take my business type of thing. And for, for me, it's more of sharing everything that I know so that everyone succeeds because I know that we are all trying to make it and become better people for ourselves and our family. And if I can just impact one person, and they can reach out and tell me, you know what, Lloyd, I did exactly what you did in your video. And now I got a sale and we just got, just closed that and I got paid and I could, I don't know, pay for my parents' medical bills. Then, you know, I feel so good just because I may not know the person in person, but I know my story is them enough to go and do something to better themselves. There you go. There you go. That's, that's huge. <laughs> that's huge. Um, yeah, I, I guess I want to know, and I, you know, I'm not going to ask you too many more questions, but, um, I do want a little more information out of you and I'm sure the audience would appreciate it as well. Um, as far as YouTube, like, do you have any advice that you could give someone on how to grow their audience? Obviously from what I've, what I've taken from what you said is, you know, find that niche, that, that thing that, um, uh, people are looking for, like something different. Like you said that. You saw a lot of people online talking about real estate, but it was mostly old guys. <laughs> you didn't see any yeah. any women talking about it, and you didn't see people divulging the information that you were. So uh, what, what information or advice do, would yeah. you have or would you offer to grow your YouTube audience? Yeah, for whoever, whatever it is that you're trying to start your channel on, make sure that it's something that you actually are passionate about or that you enjoy talking about. Because the last thing you want to do is start a channel where you think you are putting out content that people want to hear, but it's not going to be genuine when you're speaking. Um, aside from that, just always, you know, you have to be entertaining at the same time because no one likes such a monotone, boring person on the screen. So just have a personality, be inviting so that people actually feel like they know you and can connect with you and want to continue coming back. Along with that, just being consistent. If you're doing videos at least once or twice a week or whatever it is, over time, you're going to start building that audience because you don't want to be posting a week, uh, a video every single week and then just stop. And then people are like, well, what happened to this person? Never mind. Like, I don't need to watch them anymore. And that's just the consistency. That's what it takes. Consistency. Um, You don't need a fancy camera for like almost two years. I was filming every video on my iPhone until I finally decided to invest on a legit G7X camera, which was pretty pricey. Back then, I I didn't want to make sure I, uh, yeah, exactly. 
you want to get a good camera, that's a very good one. And yeah, I always hear the excuses, oh, well, I don't know how to edit, or I don't have the correct program, or I don't have the right camera. You just have to start, go for it, just do it. You're going to learn throughout the way how, how it is to do it. And if you really are committed, you're eventually going to grow an audience. So you're going to have those people that are going to relate to you and feel that they know you and keep on coming back and sharing your videos and tell you, you know, I love your videos. When are you going to put out the next one type of thing? Uh, thank you so much for that for that information. And the last part, what you said, is something that I had to tell myself. I had to look myself in the mirror and explain it to myself because, like you, I have the G7X Mark II and I have the T6i. And I wanted to just, like, I stay up night and day just studying cameras. And I was about to throw so much money at cameras. And I'm like, that's not really important. Yes, you want to have, you know, you, you want to have a good display. You don't want to, you know, look crappy or whatever. But, you know, what yeah. I have, what I have is good. Just use what you have. Like, you know, th th that isn't mm -hmm. that the story is more important. And I had to, I had to tell myself. Yeah, that. exactly. Um, yeah. It's all about the content that makes people want to come back and actually listen to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So would, would you recommend any books as far as like, I guess maybe entrepreneurial books, life books or real estate books that you've read that really has, have helped you along this process, along this journey? Uh, for real estate, there is one, How to Develop a Six-Figure Income by Mike Ferry. That's kind of like the guide that anyone that's looking to get into real estate should follow. It's a pretty easy read. I remember I read it in one day. And it tells you pretty much what to do, especially in, when you're new. And if you follow those steps, it's really what's going to make you stand out and be a very successful agent. Um, from that one, the book, The Compound, is a very good one as well. It's uh, more of things that you have to do. Have you read that one, The Compound Effect? No, no. Oh, okay. Um, well, that's another very good one. It's more for like, uh, it's kind of self-help, but it's very good for organization and staying focused. And the last one, probably The Sale by Frederick Eklund, which is the agent for Million Dollar Listing in New York. And he breaks down pretty much sales and, and what to do and how he got to the level of where he is, which is one of the top real estate agents in New York. And and who was the author of the, the compound effect again? I can't remember the name. I think the last name is Harvey, but I am not so sure. Okay, cool, cool. I'll look it up. Um... I know uh, the the actual real estate agent that sold us our home, um, and they also tried to get me to do real estate, which I'm you know I'm thinking about it. You know we can talk about it off air. I'm thinking about it. I don't know. She said yeah. it would be a good mix with what I'm already doing. Um, we'll see. Um, shouts out to Jessica Thompson. I just gave you a shout out on the podcast, but she recommended <laughs> a book uh, to me. Uh, is it behind me? Uh, oh, here it is. This is a I haven't read all of it yet, but the one thing. Uh, oh yeah. This is this is a yeah. really good freaking book. <laughs> this is a good book. Uh Yeah, that's a really good one too. Yeah. Yeah, have you have you met him? The Gary Keller? No, I haven't. I haven't met him personally. I am with Keller Williams, but um no, I haven't met him. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, that was a weird question. I don't know. <laughs> um all right, so before we get out of here, uh I just want one more thing like for the new 
because you know we, like i said we want to help the new and aspiring entrepreneur overcome doubt we want to help them destroy doubt and we want to do that by providing information and inspiration so before we get out of here do you have any information that you would give to that new and aspiring entrepreneur any inspiration any principles that you've learned throughout your journey that you would like to provide to them yeah um just pretty much whatever it is that is your passion of what you want to do write it down and wherever you want to be just kind of do like a reverse engineering of what it'll take to get to that point that way you see exactly what you have to do um, that's kind of what I've done with me and my business for real estate. There's always a certain number of sales that I want to hit. And when I break it down, it really shows me, okay, in order to get to that number, this is what I have to do. And I think that's what a lot of people fail to do. They fail to plan and execute what it will actually take. They just see that end goal, but then it might be so difficult that they think it's unattainable and halfway through, they just kind of give up. But when you have a plan uh, strategically of what it will take to get there, you're more likely to continue going and know eventually you're going to reach the goal that, that you want to achieve, whether it's starting a business or just whatever it is. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so very much for being on the show today. It was an honor. It was a pleasure. Um, can you can you let the people know where they can find you at on social media, on YouTube? Um, if they want to request your services or any other business endeavors that you have going on, just plug away, plug away. <laughs> yeah, well, you can just check out my website, LloydaVelasquez.com. Or you could just go on YouTube, type in my name, Loida, and I'm usually the first one, L-O-I-D-A. And then once you log on and find me on YouTube, you can find all of my social media handles on there as well. That would be the easiest thing. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. Thank you so much again for joining me on the show today. Jay Sutton, the Strong Doubt Podcast. We out. Thank you for listening.